Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. And today we're going to dish up some myths about weight loss. I know this is one of your favorite topics. Can't wait. get to the weight loss myths, which I, I will love to talk about. Have you seen the the resurgence of this, of the Cheerios? Don't eat Cheerios. You can't see the look on my face, <laughs> listeners, but... Or the eyes I, rolling. Oh, oh, goodness. <laughs> this showed up on my Facebook feed, and I thought, are we back to last summer? What I happened? Because this story has crawled back out of the woodwork uh, yet again, like a bad penny. Yes. Um, you probably have seen this. They talk about Roundup and Cheerios. You know, are you serving your your children a side of Roundup with their Cheerios? And right. kind of wanted to talk a little bit about where this study came from, where these articles have come from. Yeah, because it just makes you mad because you think this right. is just making moms afraid. Yes, it's meant to inspire fear. Right in distrust. So remember, and, that's one of our red flags we've talked about in the past. Right. I mean, you're fearful of eating. It's right. it's a big problem. So there's an organization. So there's, first, we're going to define some terms. So the first thing is um, Roundup is also known as glyphosate. And you probably read a lot about glyphosate in mm-hmm. the news. Unfortunately, I've seen you know a farm worker, unfortunately, that was using large right. amounts of it frequently who developed lymphoma and unfortunately is not doing well and there was a judgment um, against Monsanto who makes glyphosate or Roundup to pay this man quite a large sum of money because the the idea was this caused his cancer and unfortunately uh, this has now become pervasive in our food supply in the fact that this is sprayed on crops, it is, and it's a good pet you know herbicide um, that controls if without this type of herbicide or what you know or pesticides in general we don't eat because pests exist whether we Mm -hmm. you know we have to control for them but there's an organization called the environmental working group Mm -hmm. which sounds super like governmental and authoritative Mm -hmm. but really it is a private organization Mm -hmm. um and they are also the in the founders of the dirty dozen list that comes out every year which we can talk about in a future episode But what they did is they had a study where they determined that there was an amount of Roundup or glyphosate found in some common breakfast cereals, including Cheerios. And what happened here is they said, well, this is a particular amount and this is unsafe for children, particular parts per billion amount that is found in, in Cheerios. Right. So you have to take a little bit of a closer look of how they may have determined this number. So the Environmental Working Group has their own methods for calculating cancer risks in particular products. And this is where it gets a little sketchy for me. Mm-hmm. They take into consideration some, um, there's something called California's no significant risk level. If you've ever been to California, uh-huh. you probably will often see things that'll say, you know, this has been in the state of California, this has been known to cause cancer. Yes, yes. But maybe in, in no place else. Right. <laughs> um, to put this in perspective, California's no significant risk level from their proposition called Proposition 65 registry includes things like alcohol, estrogen, and Tylenol, which again is very conservative when 
compared to other standards set by, for example, the Environmental Protection Agency, which is actually a government agency that oversees this stuff. (laughs) Right. No relationship Um, to Environmental Working Group. Exactly. And so the Environmental Working Group then puts in a tenfold protection level Mm -hmm. for meant to take in consideration safety for children because, you know, they're not just adults. They're not just little adults. They're thinking that they need less because they're children. Okay. And what they found is that it basically comes up with about a one in a million chance of developing cancer for children who eat cereals every day that have a very, very, very minuscule amount of glyphosate residual in them. So oats or two cups of Cheerios. Okay. Again, infinitesimally small amounts. Yeah, what is that? Right. What does that look like? Right. So to put this in perspective, and I got this from another dietitian's blog, which I think is really a good way to think of it, it's a 1 in 114 chance of dying from a car accident, but we all drive anyway, right? Right, right. right. Nobody's stopping driving. Right. 1 in 114. Right, exactly. Okay. Are you going to sit over your lifetime? Right. 1 oh, in 114 okay. chance of, of your life, dying in a car accident okay. over your lifetime. Again, nobody's going to stop driving. No. I'm not saying glyphosate is perfect. Right. And the World Health Organization doesn't either. It's probably a cancer causer in humans in extremely large amounts. Right. There's a, a saying in healthcare and in science called the dose makes the poison. Mm-hmm. You know. Too much water will also kill, kill you. you. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we've seen, unfortunately, people die of hyponatremia when they go on those water challenges and they drink, yeah. you know, a couple of gallons of water and they die from hyponatremia. Yeah. Again, you know, if you're a farm worker, you need to take proper precautions that you're yeah. not exposed when you're using large amounts of this on a day. If you use a large amount on a daily basis over a right. lifetime. But again, what's left over residually in our foods is so small that you would have to eat, you know, you know, how many pounds or boxes of Cheerios every day for the rest of your life. I mean, I've seen this particular type of, you know, work when we talk about, you know, the pesticides that are on apples or, you know, you'd have to eat hundreds of apples every day for your entire life. You would die of something else. Right. We (laughs) talked about that in previous. Right. It's not an appropriate way to extrapolate numbers. Right. Um, And again, it's just really kind of scary Mm -hmm. to moms. And it's one of the things that probably bothers me the most about EWG. Yeah. um, Is that they tend to sort of target moms Mm -hmm. and make moms feel bad for feeding their children Cheerios or or oatmeal, which are really otherwise healthy foods and low sugar, um, which we should be more worried about maybe than the amount of glyphosate that may be residually in your child's Cheerios. And unfortunately, you can't necessarily rely on the media I mean, we got this particular original story that you brought to me. Uh-huh. came from a pretty well-known news organization. Yeah, that's what made, um, made me the maddest, I think. Right. Because um, they didn't do any research into this. Or right. They just ran. didn't get any kind of other side of this. Absolutely. It was truly a one-sided story. With somebody with an agenda. Right. Which Absolutely. is what an environmental working group, they have an agenda. Right. So I think it's important to kind of... When you see these stories and these sort of shocking headlines to try to dig a little bit deeper, I think it's kind of the lesson to take away from this. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Amy. You are quite welcome. Thank you. I'm glad we – I just had to bring that up. So, all right. If there's ever anything else that you all find and you want to send to us, we'd really appreciate it. Dish at secretliferd.com. Yep. 
So let's talk about some of those myths around weight loss. You do a lot of weight loss counseling as part of your business. This is kind of your your bread and butter, pun intended, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, I love your puns, Amy. Yeah, so <laughs> let's talk about some of those myths that I know you hear. So let's start with my favorite one, that you can boost your metabolism by drinking green tea or taking green tea extract or eating chili peppers. Tell me right. about that. I get this a lot with a lot of different foods. It can be any food. I've heard green tea, chili peppers, uh, chili whatever. I've heard a bunch of them. And really, the research and evidence out there, no magic food will speed up our metabolism. Okay. Some studies have shown, though, when we get to the green tea and the hot chilies to temporarily boost your metabolic rate. Right. But the lift really isn't significant. Right. It's nothing that... It's not going to lead to a weight loss of 10 pounds in two weeks. No. Right. So... um, yeah, let's talk about that. So when we talk about metabolism, just to put it in perspective, it takes 3,500 calories to equal a pound of our weight. Mm-hmm. So that means your metabolism burns, if you don't know this, for women typically at about eighteen to 2,000 calories a day on average. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is not... Uh, I'm g- not giving out anybody calorie, specific calorie advice here. Right. Men is more closer to 2,500 calories a day. When we talk about these little lifts of metabolism, it's completely insignificant. Right. Not so, enough to, to worry about. No. 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 So speaking of metabolism, mm-hmm. can I change my metabolism? Can I boost it by exercising or anything like that? Tell me about that. Okay. Genetics do help determine our metabolic rate We can boost our metabolism by uh, increasing our lean muscle mass. So making sure you're strength training, I think, is always Mm -hmm. a good idea because Mm -hmm. it does. We do know that muscle is is it burns more calories at rest than fat. And so it's more metabolically active, if you will. And muscular bodies do need more energy to function than people that have maybe a higher percentage of body fat. Okay, it is something that. Genes are a part of it, but yes, I do think that you can have some impact on your metabolic rate. So I have heard that, that metabolic rates really can't change. And so there is things you can do by making sure that you're maintaining your muscle mass Mm -hmm. by having strength training exercise at least two, maybe three times a week. No more than that. Right. But yeah. Does your metabolic change or metabolic rate change as you get older? So yes, as we age, we do expect a decline in metabolic rate. However, there have been studies that have been coming out that have shown that if we're doing that strength training, we can minimize that decline. That's exciting. Yes. So there's something we can do about that. There is something we can do about that decline in metabolic rate. So when you hear everybody saying, oh, I'm just getting old and I don't burn calories as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to a certain degree, we do anticipate that de- decline. I think it's about 7% every decade of our mm-hmm. life. But it's not something that has to happen is what we're learning, which right. is really exciting. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about other things that may be affecting metabolism. I've heard that if you eat after 6 p.m., or at least that's what my patients tell me, if you eat yes. after 6 p.m., mm-hmm. um, exactly, that you will <laughs> gain weight. Is that true? So, yeah, there's little true that says that eating after 8 o'clock causes weight gain. Right. I always tell my clients, it's calories in and calories out. Right. So, ultimately, what I see is sometimes if you give yourself that rule, 
here's the thing. It can be beneficial to some people because what's happening is they're eating all their calories in the evening. Mm-hmm. If I can get them to back up and eat more calories during the day, they're actually not going to eat so much at night. So right. It's not a matter of the timing of it. It's a matter of if you aren't getting enough calories, then you're more apt to keep eating as you go. Once you start eating dinner, some of my clients, they just can't stop eating dinner. So if they give themselves this rule of I can't eat after six, it helps them, right? right? Right. But the problem is if they're starving themselves during the day and they start eating at dinner and they give themselves this rule, all of a sudden they're actually not getting enough calories for their body, right? Right. And so they go to bed hungry. Right. And then guess what happens is we don't sleep very well. Right. And so sleep is so important with our weight and weight management. We right. never want to interrupt that. So I, it really doesn't matter. What's, what's more important is we, I like to look at eating patterns right. and identify maybe you're not eating enough during the right. day. Well, I also tend to think, you know, I always say nobody's raiding the veggie tray at 10 p.m. Yeah, this is you, true, they're too. They're just not. You know, you're right. not. You're, you're hitting the chips and the cookies right. and those comforty, carby mm-hmm. foods to yep. bring that, you know, yep. those chemicals into your brain to kind mm-hmm. of serotonin to kind of get yep. you sleepy. And that could be mindless eating, like just boredom eating or right. eating for other things also. You're right. It, it isn't necessarily that you haven't eaten enough calories for the day. It also might be that you're just a boredom eater or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great way to, to think about it. I, one thing I tell patients, I don't know, is to kind of find um, find something else to do in the evening. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. not necessarily watch television or something to keep your hands busy, knitting yeah. or, yeah. you know, putting together a puzzle or something that mm-hmm. is not involving just sitting and watching television where it's easy to, to overeat those types of things. Yes, so. because all the commercials on TV are telling you to eat. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So moving on to a myth that I have heard, maybe not as much anymore because it seems like fat is back, I guess. Yeah, because we're avoiding the carbs right, right now. <laughs> but we'll get into that here in a second. But right. Does eating fat or eating too much fat make you fat? So a lot of people think this, that when you eat fat, it's going to store as fat. And you think that um, when we have body fat, it's stored as fat. And so it makes sense, but it's really not that simple it really does come into calories in, calories out. Right. And it really doesn't matter whether your calories in, if you're eating more calories than your body needs, mm-hmm. you're going to store fat. Okay, it doesn't matter whether those calories, extra calories came from carbs, protein, or fat. If you right. ate excess protein, you're going to store it as fat. Right. So that's a huge myth that I get a lot of. Right. I know some people, like when I, I've talked to people, they, they don't feel as hungry when they eat a lot of fat. Mm-hmm. So inevitably, they eat less, eat fewer calories. Correct. And so they think it's the fat that's magically helping them lose weight. But it's, and we're going to get into a future episode on keto. Yes. Which I know is just everybody's, yes. uh, you know, diet du jour right now. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, people think it's the fat that's magically making them lose weight. But really, right. it's probably just that they're eating fewer calories. Exactly. And and that's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. But fat, it 
to me also helps with satiety of your meals. It right. helps make you feel satisfied with your meal right. and full with your meal. Right. I always tell my clients, it takes your body a little longer to digest fat too than carbohydrates. Right. And so anything that slows that digestion down right. will make you feel full longer. Right. Well, it's like a client who eats an apple for a snack and they mm-hmm. feel hungry an hour later. Right. Well, no wonder. Exactly. I feel hungry too. Me too. Put a little bit of peanut butter with that apple or a piece of cheese and you're going to be much more satisfied. Absolutely. For a kind of a stick to your ribs type of thing. If Absolutely. You think about that. So I don't think we should be fearful about fat. Absolutely. Another myth. I have to give up everything I love to lose weight. <laughs> of course, this is the tenet of every diet yes. that's ever been. Yes. You have to give up this whole list of foods that you loved. Right. Because that was really the problem. And I think this is the reason why most people don't want to come see a dietitian. They think and assume that that's what we're going to say. Right. Right. <laughs> and let you know about our secret life as dietitians. Right. You know, we really are not going to tell you to give up your favorite right. food. If you love Oreo cookies, I want to figure out, tell you a way to, good, to manage them. Exactly. Maybe you don't want to have a whole box in your house, but maybe having some single snack packs. Right. Can mm-hmm. help you get a craving out of the way and move on. Right. And a way, the way we eat really has a big to, thing to do with um, how we control our portions. Right. Okay. So when we eat balanced and when we eat to fuel our bodies first, mm-hmm. those Oreos, it's easier to eat one and two, mm-hmm. maybe even three or four, but you're not going to eat the whole bag. Right. If unless you just started with the Oreos, right? Right. So that's what I say. If you're going to have one of those favorite foods that really isn't giving you any nutrition, mm-hmm. yeah. some of your favorite foods may actually get, be giving you nutrition. Right. But if it's not really giving you any real good uh, nutrients into your diet, then there's no reason why you can't just uh, have a meal or a snack mm-hmm. first and then allow yourself to have that food. Right. So, you know, when I talk to, to patients about going to Mexican restaurants or seem to be the one that, you know, the, you sit down and that bowl of chips comes yes. right in front of you, it's mm-hmm. really hard not to eat them. Yes. So my trick for my patients say, don't, you don't have to turn that chip down, but just ask it to come with your meal. Uh-huh. Because you're going to eat your meal right. and then those chips are going to look way less attractive. Smart. Very yep. good. Way less attractive. Yep. Yep. All right. So another myth so we knew fat maybe doesn't make us fat, but what about carbs and bread and pasta? Right. So for losing weight again, it does come down to calories in and calories out, just like I said with the fat. So grains themselves aren't necessarily fattening or unhealthy, and in fact, if you're talking about whole grains, they actually can make you feel fuller and help you with weight loss because of fiber. Because of fiber. Right. Fiber is something that goes through our digestive system and it doesn't get absorbed into the body. Mm-hmm. So it slows things down. I like to sometimes describe them as little scrubbers. It's really good. It cleans out your system, right? Mm-hmm. And it, so it's good on a, a lot of different levels, but it actually is beneficial for weight loss. Mm-hmm. So when people tell me they avoid grains, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. It's It really does come down to calories in and calories out, right? Well, and grains add a lot of variety to the diet. They do. You know, and they have a lot of nutrition to yes, the diet. exactly. Again, they have a lot of B vitamins and fiber and... It's tricky yeah. to get all your fiber grams that you need per day mm-hmm. without grains, frankly. Yeah, it is. It's, it's much more difficult. Fruits and vegetables have some fiber, mm-hmm. but they're not the end all to be all. No. Nope. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. What about dairy? 
I heard milk or cheese right. or yogurt's going to make me gain weight. What right. about should I be eating full fat dairy or should I be on fat free dairy? Exactly. Because we've talked about dairy a little bit in our previous podcast and uh, I think we bit, must, busted some of those myths before. But I do want to bring this up because I think it's important for people. I get this a lot that people are fearful about dairy. And the thing is that dairy actually is an excellent source of protein. So when you're trying to lose weight, this is the other thing I describe is important, is when you eat, you want to have a protein present. Just like you just mentioned with the apple and having Mm -hmm. some peanut butter or cheese with that. What you did was you added a little protein and a little fat to that apple. And so that slows down how fast the body can digest that apple. Mm-hmm. Takes longer. Protein is another thing that takes a really long time to digest. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Right. I've seen that actually used in a negative thing out there on the internet just right. recently. But we want to kind of slow down our digestion because it makes us feel full longer. Right. And so that's not a bad thing. If you're kind of going between a couple meals, you want to have you want to be satisfied for a while. And the other thing about the dairy is that it provides us with calcium, vitamin D, magnesium, a whole host of nutrients that our bodies need. And so we really need to be including the dairy into our diet. I've seen some studies in the last couple of years about full-fat dairy maybe leading to better weight management. What are your thoughts? I have thoughts on that. What are your thoughts? I know. So I have seen some emerging studies that have talked about that. And I actually do wonder if there's something to that. I'd like to see more studies coming out Mm -hmm. about it. Drinking whole milk instead of skim milk actually helped with satiety better. Well, it makes sense. It's got more Right, exactly. Yeah. And made somebody feel full longer and so... Right. Right. To me, and this, if, this makes complete and total sense. It does, especially if you're eating intuitively, right. meaning that you're listening to your body's hunger and fullness cues. Right. If you're listening to those cues, it, maybe it doesn't matter in terms of fat, um, in terms of weight loss, mm-hmm. it can be beneficial. Right. It is still calories in and calories out, though, you know? Correct. So a cup of skim milk is going to run you 85 or 90 calories, and a cup of whole milk is going to run you 150. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so... Where do you want your calories to be spent? Right. I think it'll, you know, how much are you using? Right. You know, if you're drinking right. three glasses of milk every day at 150 or 200 calories, that can add quick. Yes. If you're not making changes other places. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So what about vegetarianism? Um, lots of people who say they, you know, feel like vegetarianism will help them lose weight or, or feel healthier. Yeah. I guess it depends on how good a vegetarian you are. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So there, when you go vegetarian, I think there's ways that people are, I I know people who are vegetarian who don't like to eat vegetables. So Hmm. it's very hard to be a vegetarian and get what your body needs, right? So I think there are healthy and unhealthy ways to be vegetarian, and you need to really explore that and decide if that's the right thing for you to do. Right. If it is the right thing for you to do, it may help you with weight loss. And initially, maybe, but maybe not long term. Right. And just not necessarily, like you said, it, it's all dependent on the diet quality at that point. I talked to, I remember a colleague a couple of years ago about something, and she said she and her husband were bad vegetarians for a while. <laughs> they ate a lot of the processed vegetarian foods, and they mm-hmm. didn't eat as many vegetables as, mm-hmm. as they should. And they've made a lot of changes that way. They've stayed vegetarian, uh-huh. but they've made some pretty significant changes in how they eat. Right. And way, way less of the sort of fake 
processed vegetarian burgers and things like that and are focusing much more on you know those healthier sources of of vegetarian proteins and things yeah I think that was the initial intent but these days there are a lot of processed foods out there for specifically geared towards vegetarians that make their diet really not be that much different than a meat eater's diet and then you're really not changing your diet right and you're adding more process which is higher sodium too and that can be a concern as well right well, and you look at some vegetarian, particularly people who are vegan mm-hmm. and running risk of nutritional deficiencies right. if, the, if the diet is not carefully planned. Right. Again, another plug for working with a dietitian. Yeah. If you think you want to become a vegan, you know, I totally respect it because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's hard yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be a vegan, especially in a kind of a meat-oriented society as the United States is. Yeah. You know, but you want to work with somebody who knows what they're doing about kind of filling in those gaps, in particular B12 and and calcium and vitamin D and those types of things. Absolutely. Yes. So Um, one myth that I hear frequently is that you can just sort of will yourself to losing weight. That people who don't lose weight are weak and and just don't have any willpower. Yeah. I know you have strong feelings on this subject. Yes, I do. I It breaks my heart when somebody comes in here and talks about that and they feel like they don't have any willpower. Uh, it's, you know, it's completely false that weight gain or loss is just based on willpower. It is, is in fact... A lot of times I tell people, let's not even talk about willpower. It has nothing to do with willpower. Right. A lot of times when we we look at willpower, what they're telling me is that they're struggling with stopping and not keeping things under portion control. Right. And so when we look at that and I look at that person's diet, almost 100% of the time, Probably 100%. I feel like the president. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> no, but I seriously, when I talk to somebody and I look at their diet and they're saying that it's the way they're eating that's causing them to want to eat more. Right. It has nothing to do with willpower. So they're backloading their calories to the end of the day. They're eating a, a, a no, For breakfast, bre- no breakfast, a tiny lunch, and then wondering why they're ravenous at night. Exactly. Yep. So that's one thing that can cause the willpower. And the second thing is... It's like that apple in the afternoon you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. You just have an apple and you're hungry in an hour. Right. And so you can't stop eating. Right. Or it's between lunch and dinner is a huge chunk of time for almost all of us. Mm-hmm. Usually lunch is around somewhere between 11 and 1 and dinner is usually between 6 to 8. Right. You know, for most of my clients, that's a long time. And after about 4 or 5 hours, the body is like, whoa, what's going on? You know, it kind of goes into a bit of a starvation mode. So it slows down its metabolism. That's why it can kind of feel sluggish. And so we start to feel hungry and our body starts saying, no, you need to eat. And so it's encouraging you to eat. If you go and reach for uh, just a piece of candy or a sweet or something like that, Mm -hmm. and you can't stop, it's no wonder. It's because you're hungry at that time. Right. And that is not satisfying what your body needs. Right. So your body is looking for hung- food and wants to keep looking for food. Right. So once I start talking to somebody about balanced eating, eating according to the my plate, where you know, you're thinking about a balance to your plate. Half your plate is fruits and vegetables. You've got protein and you've got some whole grains on there. Then they start to feel more satisfied with their meals they don't feel like they're out of control at any point. Right. And so it's not willpower. 
Right. So I wish we would just get rid of that word willpower. Right. One of my favorite analogies, and you've, I think you've heard this one too, is that the, you know, your body sort of has a, your metabolism has like a, a set point mm-hmm. or your, even your weight as well. Yes. And so, you know, it's like your thermostat at home. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, have your thermostat sat at 72 and you open a window, your thermostat is in the middle of winter, it's going to kick on to keep right. your house at 72. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. and, or if you, if it's the middle of summer and you close that window, it's going to have to kick down to get the house cooler again. Exactly. Um, it's really hard to, our bodies respond yes. to changes. So this happens a lot with yeah. people who are trying to lose weight. Another thing that happens is they try to create too big of a deficit. Mm-hmm. They try to lose weight too, quick, too quickly. Unfortunately, MyFitnessPal will allow a woman to say they want to lose two pounds a week. Wow, I didn't know that. It's awful. <laughs> oh, that's not good. No, it's not. And and the reason is, uh, as dietitians, we know if you create a 500 calorie deficit a day, you're going to lose about a pound a week. Right. So if what they're saying is, if you want to lose, you can lose two pounds a week. That's creating a thousand calorie def- deficit a day. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how many calories I right. said at the beginning of the episode? Between 1,800 and 2,000, yeah. Yeah. So how could you survive on 800 to 1,000 calories? Right. Your body is going to go crazy screaming at you saying, no, I need more food. Right. And so they come in, they're completely defla- deflated, deflated, you know, mm-hmm. that the, they can't do anything right. Right. And it has nothing to do with them. It's just it, you can't create right. that big of a weight loss and expect your body not to respond. Right. You know, if willpower was the only issue, I'm not sure we would have a weight problem because people, you know, want to lose weight. Yeah. It's, you know, your body is actively fighting against you losing weight Mm -hmm. and it wants to return you to that weight. That's very frustrating for people to hear because they sort of feel like they have to give up and sort of accept the size that they're at. Yeah. Which sometimes I think there's some value in being able to accept that you might have just genetically a larger body. Right. Than the person next to you. Exactly. Um, I saw a meme that I, I really love that we all, you know, ate right, ate, ate the same way and exercised in the same way. We would all still be different sizes. Yes, we would. Yes. Because absolutely. genetics play a really large part. It does. Part, portion in how you, what you weigh. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's not necessarily everything, but I'm slowly getting to the point where, yeah, you got to be careful about how you go about losing weight. And that's why slower is what we've shown, what we have been able to show is if you are able to lose weight, that it's it's been done gradually mm-hmm. and it's been done kind of smart where we talk about the things we talked about in the beginning about helping your metabolism so that you can be good at burning calories, right. you know, and strength training. And what happens when you strength train, you lose inches, right? right. So ideally you might be happier with your physical appearance even if weight doesn't change. Right. And that, so we got to take weight off the table all the time, too. It's really about eating healthy first. Having that healthy lifestyle, I think, is most important. Right. So we're going to get to that a little bit. Yep. Okay. So let's wrap up with probably the myth that irritates me the most, <laughs> um, is that thin people are automatically healthy. Yes. And people who are overweight or obese are automatically unhealthy. Right. Right. We've seen study after study talk about obesity having increased risk with chronic disease. And we have linked it to several chronic diseases, including type 2 diabetes. However, most people with obesity, if they're active, they have a healthy diet, they may be just as healthy as somebody who's thin who doesn't exercise and who doesn't take care of themselves. And so... 
they're at a higher risk for these diseases. Right. So these thin people may be more genetically blessed, I guess is the way to say it. In terms it. of, yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 they're genetics are to make them thin. Right. We, we all know people like this who can eat anything they want yeah. and never gain a pound. Right. You right. know? Yep. That's genetics at works, kids. Right. That is not anything that they're doing. That right. is their, their genetics that are, are you know, favorable sure. to, to remaining thin. Yep. Exactly. But if they don't do anything else, if they don't pay attention to their diet, if right. they're not including the fruits and vegetables and they're not exercising, we're finding they're increasing their health risks right. significantly. Right. And the opposite is what we're finding is true as well. Right. People who are overweight, who are exercising, and who are eating their fruits and vegetables have decreased health risks. Right. So that is just amazing news because going back to your you know, point you were making about the set point theory. Mm-hmm. And so if the set point theory is true, let's stop beating ourselves up about the weight we are mm-hmm. and accept it and just focus on being healthy mm-hmm. and let it go. Right. Having those because, behaviors. Right. Yeah. Eating What's the bottom line is you want to feel good. You want to be health. You want to feel healthy and right. you want to be able to do the things that you want right. to do. Eating right, exercising, getting enough rest, managing your stress, course not smoking, mm-hmm. alcohol in moderation. Mm-hmm. If you do all of those things, you know, to me, there you are doing everything possible right. to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's to be commended. Right. There was a study that looked at four factors and looked at uh, individuals and whether they were eating fruits and vegetables, exercising, mm-hmm. smoking, and drinking alcohol in moderation. Right. And when they looked at people who were overweight just by focusing on one of those habits, it started decreasing their health risk significantly. Wow. So independent of weight loss, just by changing behaviors. Correct. Just by changing behaviors. Wow. Didn't but that's hard to sell, though. Was. It is hard to sell. That's it hard is, to sell. I know. People want to see... They want to see They want to see weight loss. They want to mm-hmm. see pounds lost. It's really hard to sell yeah. in a weight-focused society. It is. And as a dietitian who focuses mostly on weight management, this is something I'm struggling with, you know? It's right. just... I want people to have a healthy relationship with food, and I think that's first and foremost. Right. So let's work on a healthy lifestyle and put weight loss on the side burner. Right. And sometimes when we stop focusing on the weight loss, there was a lot of stress that went along mm-hmm. with focusing on the weight loss that could have caused some weight gain to begin with. Right. And ideally, sometimes I see weight loss happen because they aren't at their set point, because they've been eating more than they want because they're stressed out or whatever. Right. So I think it's it's just something, though, I think it just depends on the person. And if you start focusing on how you're feeling and those things that make you healthier, we know, mm-hmm. eating fruits and vegetables, you know, exercising two to three times a week, not smoking and uh, mo- alcohol in moderation right. helps a lot, goes a long way. And that's what's most important when most people think about it. Right. Why are you doing this? Why do you care about your weight? Right. Unfortunately, we look at medical providers who focus on the pounds on the scale and and give people unrealistic weight goals or weight loss goals Mm -hmm. and not taking into account genetics or any types of... And and I think the thought is if you can sort of shame people into losing weight. Yeah. I I think, again, just like willpower, if shame worked, there would be no people with weight problems because it is a shamed 
situation oh, yeah. in, in, in particular in our society that overweight people are thought to be mm-hmm. weak and, and, and yeah. unhealthy and that's just and no really, willpower and, and right it's, it's right and it true. keeps them from wanting to exercise I've seen studies exactly. that you know patients mm-hmm. who feel bad about going to the gym don't go right right you know if they feel like they're shamed at the gym they just stop going mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's unfortunate it is yeah yeah well, thank you for helping me bust some of those myths and dishing up those myths. Yeah. And I think there's so much more we could talk about. We are going to get, we've yeah. got, already gotten a couple of listener questions about yeah. some other things we want to cover. So we will definitely be hitting some of those hotter topics like mm-hmm. keto and intermittent fasting in a future episode. Yeah. But if you have other ideas, we'd love to hear them. So you can yeah. email us, dish at secretlife.rd.com. That's dish at secretlife.rd.com. Or you can go to our website at www.secretliferd.com.